What's up, everyone? Welcome to the My Favorite Horror Movie Podcast. This is your host, Christian Ackerman. Uh, thank you for joining me today as we welcome three badass actors and some of my favorite people as we discuss the dynamics of gender in horror films through the eyes of the final girl character trope. First off, if you like this podcast, take a second and click like right down below or give us a subscribe or or a, or a rating give us some stars on iTunes wherever you are right now it help us greatly uh, and inspire me to do more of these episodes uh, during these wild times I'm finding great joy in being able to discuss the genre with my friends uh, and since we're unable to hang out, mostly un uh, unable to hang out in person, uh, I'm f happy to have this outlet to share these discussions with you guys. Uh, this is the actually the first episode I've recorded in over a month. Uh, for some reason, I felt a little uninspired to do an episode, and I just I took some time to coordinate about sixty. 60 plus of the my favorite horror movie contributors we did a signing uh in support of black lives matter la uh, where we raised 1900 dollars with the help of all of you uh so thank you all for ordering the copies uh thank you to the contributors who met with me to sign uh thank you to uh, uh blast from the past in burbank california who uh, gave us a space to kind of get together and I schedule everyone apart, uh, you know, for, so I, and I spread all the tables apart. So we had a very distanced uh, signing that was non-public. So it was great to see everyone have a good five minutes to, uh, to talk to all of those people to reconnect, to figure out what's been, what they've been doing during this whole time. And, and hopefully we'll be able to bring on more people for this uh, podcast. Uh, it took a lot of energy out of me, so I, I you know, but it was a great feeling to contribute <clears throat> to an organization that's uh, that's working to bring equality to the forefront. Uh, besides that, somehow the My Favorite Horror Movie books had a great sales month in the last uh, last month on Amazon in June. Uh, it was a fun experience bringing all these uh, biographical ex essays to the masses. So I want to thank you all for picking up copies. Head over to MyFavoriteHorrorMovie.com to find out more inf information on the contributors and to figure out where you can buy these books. Uh, so let's get into the episode with the veteran final girls, Trista Robinson, Sarah Nicklin, and Laura Jean Sullivan, all of which are wonderful actors and good friends of mine. Uh, make sure to check out their work when you can. Search them out. Find their work. It's, most of their movies are streaming. You can probably find them for free. Um, just search them out because they're all great actors. So, all right, let's uh, get right into it. All right, our first guest is an actor who can be seen in the short film Hell's Bells, or actually my short films, Hell's Bells, The Summoners, and along with the new films Echoes of Fear and Purgatory Road, her favorite horror movie is The Evil Dead. Let's welcome Trista Robinson. Woo! Hi, Trista. Thank you. Hey. Next Hi. up, we have an actor who is known for none of that, The Haunting of Alice D. and Ex Exhumed. She just finished shooting the films The Retaliators, uh, short film Jacob, directed by our friend John Patrick, Fitz Fitzpatrick, and the music video for a band... I prevail. Her favorite horror movie is The Exorcist. Well, let's welcome Sarah Nicklin. Hi, Sarah. Hi. 
And lastly, we have another actor who can be seen in Two Jennifer, produced by yours truly, and the festival darling short Trust Issues, where she won a ton of awards in acting. I saw it. It's great. Uh, the newly released Space. Uh, I think it just came out a couple of months ago, and she's currently filming our friend Hunter Johnson's latest film, Terra Bella. Her favorite horror movie is Misery. Let's welcome Laura Jean Sullivan. What's up? Okay, let's let's check in with everybody. Uh, let's start with Trista first. Uh, what have you been doing? I know I got to see at least two of you. Wait, Laura Jean, I didn't see you recently, right? Yeah, you were you've been you haven't been around, but when we did our uh, book signing, I at least got to see Sarah and Trista. Trista, what have you been doing lately? In this quarantine? Um, yeah, I've actually been able to uh, safely be working lately, so that's good. Um, before that, I was um, working from home, um, reading scripts and stuff. So, yeah, just as you guys, I'm sure, keeping busy, just working as much as I can, being safe first yeah. and um, foremost. Yeah. And, what, and so what kind of work have you been doing? I shot something uh, with Linnea Quigley this past weekend, and then I um, uh, I shot out a western. Um, I did a western feature. Um, really? And then I've been location scouting for a, an upcoming film too. So oh. um, I'm working. Yeah. Are you producing that? No, I'm just. Well, I, I you know I always kind of do a little more than act, but I don't always. You know how it is with independent films, you know, sometimes yeah. you, especially when filmmakers are your friends, right? So these are very good friends of mine. Um, they actually did Echoes of Fear. So we're gearing up to shoot another film and um, some of the locations are really interesting and exciting. So uh, I'm, because they're some of my closest friends, I'm a little more involved, you know? Okay. Yeah. So how about, how about you, Laura Jean? What, uh, what you been up to? I've been up to a lot. <laughs> I feel like when quarantine happened, I became more inspired to do more things on my other side of the art form that I that I've been doing for most of my life, which is uh, choreography and dance. Yep. So um, we had a film, Terabella, which you announced at the beginning of the show, that we were supposed to film in May and obviously it got pushed back because of quarantine yeah. and now we're in production currently in production for that and we're going to be finished filming uh, we stopped because of the the new um, COVID thing going on in Los Angeles so we're going to be filming that um, finishing that in August okay um, but during that time in the middle of my time I've actually been teaching free classes for kids throughout the world and um, getting um, donations and all my donations have been going towards hospitals and more PPE for those hospitals and things like that. So I've been uh, doing that. And then I also raised um, $13,000 um, with my husband for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which was really cool. So we did all that uh, during quarantine cool. and staying, just staying busy, making sure everyone's healthy and making sure money's going to the places that um, it needs to go to. And I adopted a dog during quarantine. Oh, <laughs> nice. But yeah, so excited. Um, I'm lucky that I have this film project that I'm working on because most people aren't filming at all. So mm -hmm. luckily I'm, I'm still active in doing that. And I actually have a callback for another feature, The Sweet Crossing Fingers. Um, uh, that is going to be really another, it's a comedy horror film. So it's Ooh. nice to be doing something different and getting more involved in comedy, which is cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that's up my alley. I like the horror comedies. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and and the the money that you uh, the money that you were raising for for the for cancer, where did that go? Like for the. Um, it went straight to the leukemia and lymphoma society. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It went straight to them. Um, basically my husband was nominated for man of the year and everything for that got stalled because of quarantine. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're still going to raise money. We're still going to do this. We're still going to try our best, even Mm -hmm. though a lot of people during quarantine don't have a lot of money and, uh, but we still kind of reached out and people were able to um, give as much as they could. And right now, obviously, as you guys know, people with diabetes and with cancers are more prone to getting sick. So they need money more than ever right now, especially the money that we raised went towards um, a five-year-old boy um, that needed it. So, uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And you've been spending your time up in San Francisco area? Oh, Yeah. Okay. Because you kind of split your time between both places, LA and San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually was down in LA for a couple of weeks recently. And I, my, luckily my sister lives down there. So it's really nice whenever I go down there to film, um, I get to spend time with my family, get to spend time with my friends and it all works out. But yeah, now I'm in San Francisco, the city by the bay, keeping mm-hmm. cool, keeping awesome. And actually they're filming, uh, they're building, a few more. Uh, I know Sony is actually going to be building new um, production company buildings here on Treasure Island. They bought out Treasure Island, so oh. they're making oh. that a whole like film section up here and trying to move some of the stuff out of Los Angeles. So, pretty cool, exciting stuff happening here. Um, I'm lucky that I'm able to kind of see it firsthand, like see it happening, which is really cool. Oh, that's yeah. rad. Yeah. And, and- I always think that it's really cool that you got to be on Broadway. You did The Lion King. Yeah, I did. And, yeah, as a, as a dancer. Ago. Yeah. And and I also got to tour with Sesame Street and uh, Puppeteers Elmo. And with Lion King, I was one of the hyenas, and uh, Puppeteered as one of the hyenas and sang and danced and um, with them. And yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm actually thinking about hopefully. When all this COVID stuff clears up and because Broadway is closed till 2021, um, I'm kind of hoping to get myself back to New York and uh, re-audition for a few Broadway shows after COVID and, and do a few few things out there uh, for a while again, which would be really cool. And yeah. uh, eventually, if you guys are interested, I would love to do a horror musical. Ooh. And anyone listening, if you want to put money towards it, we would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually been talking to a friend of mine about doing something like that. So we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I have a musician friend that uh, I'm like, oh, your your music is kind of up that alley, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've okay. always wanted to do it. So let's talk about it. Some, so. Yes, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Sarah, what have you been up to? Um, I've been <laughs> staying inside. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, I just I just finished uh, filming a film in Vegas called The Retaliators. Um, so it's being the the there's a music label that's decided to start making films, and so they made Motley Crue's The Dirt that came out next year. So this yeah. is gonna be this is gonna be their next film, um, and so they're putting a whole bunch of their bands in it, and you know gonna license the the soundtrack with all their the music from their bands and sell that and so that was pretty cool and fun um to go out there and do that that was the first thing that i filmed since covid happened and Mm -hmm. since quarantine and everything shut down and that whole experience was really really interesting to see the changes 
with all of the testing and that you have to do now to get on set and like keeping everyone separated. And um, it was really an eye-opening experience. So I thought that was really great to be able to go and work and learn from that. Um, I'm also producing a feature uh, at the same time, which we were originally going to start shooting in April and then obviously all the shutdowns happened. And so we have pushed our shoot dates back. We don't have a start date yet but I've still been working on that to get it fully cast and to get all of our crew members together. Um, We already have our location set, which is great. Um, But this is the first project that I've done where I'm like legit producing. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Cause you know, like Trista said on independent films, you, you do a little bit of everything here and there. And so like other projects in the past, like I've helped them get made, but it's not, it wasn't where like, okay, you are the producer mm-hmm. on this project and that's like all of your responsibility. So that's been a huge learning experience as well. And I've been really thankful to have that because it's been really eye-opening about mm-hmm. um, a lot of the things that happen behind the camera, even before you get to set that I might not have been aware of as an actor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and what, what are you learning? Like what's, uh, what's something that you didn't know before as just being an actor on set? I mean, well, first of all, just the SAG paperwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know you had asked me um, some, for some advice on that. So I like, did. Yeah. Did you did you uh, did you get the process started, or was it just you haven't done it yet? Yes. You started we, at least. We started it, so we okay. have our contract open uh, okay. with SAG. Um, but then all of like when the guidelines were released, we're like went to them and we're like, what do we do? How are we supposed to like do this? Like this is a low budget project, yeah. you know, these 37 pages of like guidelines, there's like no way. Um, and they were not terribly helpful in telling us how to do that. Mm. But I learned a lot from the project that I was just on and their, um, health safety officer and like COVID supervisor and like, so I, I'm learning from that and I'm applying it to the project that I'm producing so that hopefully we can get that moving forward. The only issue is that we have a, like a big crowd scene at the end of it. It's set in the 1960s and it's a horror musical. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so at the end is a big musical number with a big crowd scene. And so with COVID and all the regulations, that's like super difficult because yeah. we just can't have that many people on set like you just you just can't um so we're kind of in a a holding pattern for that um but other than that i've been i have a short film that's uh i've been working on for a little while now and i've been working on storyboarding that um that you're gonna direct i i don't really care if i direct it or not i just (laughs) want it to get made (laughs) okay I want to act in it. It's a it's a, a medieval dragon fantasy film, which Ooh. is like that's what I love more than anything is like <laughs> fantasy films. Um, and so I wrote it, and I know like what I want it to be. And so since most of it takes place inside of a cave, I would have to either find a location or build an entire set. So if I'm going to build the set, I need to know what those shots are going to look like. So I need to know what I need to build. So yeah. that's kind of, uh, I think Trista lives in a cave, right, Trista? Yeah, but that sounds fun. Like, but th- So you would have to do uh, uh, some sort of a CGI dragon or something, right? 
I would want it to be a practical dragon. So for oh. the short, you would only see like its muzzle. You wouldn't oh, actually okay. see the entire full dragon. It, it, it It's a short slash proof of concept for a feature. And the feature, you would see the entire dragon. Okay. Um, but just for the, you know, budgetary constraints of a short film mm -hmm. with a dragon. <laughs> Sometimes it's even better, you know. Some of the best films out there, they leave you guessing. And I love films that leave yeah. me guessing like some, I don't want to see the whole thing. And especially sometimes with like kill scenes and, you know, I, it, when you don't see blood and you just see the body getting dragged and it, then it's off scene, you know, switch up. I'm like, wait, what just happened? You know, you mm -hmm. want to know. And you, it, it's kind of like a book where it leaves you um, kind of being able to go into your own mindset, like what the director or what the um, writer wanted from that, you know, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I mean, like Jaws, you know, all the problems that they had with the shark and mm -hmm. it worked out so masterfully because you like never see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, to I totally agree. Less is more. The more you let people fill in the, the, the spaces with their imagination and their mind, the better. Yeah. And, and how was it uh, for all of you guys? Uh, how was it on set with because uh, you've all been on set? I haven't been on set, in, uh, I guess, since December is the last time I was on set. So uh, wow. what are what are the covid restrictions like uh, for you guys? What did you see and notice going? Oh, that's way different. <laughs> um, just being distant, like even like, you know, when you see people, you know, um, it's hard to not put your hand out or not go like mm. this naturally. You know, we're all yeah. at an age, um, and I'm sure our parents feel the same way, where giving a hug or shaking a hand is just a natural form. Of, it's in our it's in our blood. It's it's our instinct. Yeah. So I think that was the weirdest thing for me. You know, is being distant, being distant from my co-star, um, having you know when we're not on the scene, we have to remain distant. We have to kind of remain like we're like doing our rehearsing. You know, far from each other, and you know, constantly washing our hands. Mm. Um, it's weird, you know, and having to take the test every so often like now in order to go back because we have to put on hold we have to retest we have to do these things and um so it, it almost makes it more stressful you know and for me as as an actor i know i know netflix announced that they're like taking out all the um like kissing scenes and emotion uh. and then fight scenes too anything getting close like grappling things like that they're taking all that out and so same with us like you know, we had some intimate scenes going on and we got to rethink it. We got it. OK, now, how can we it almost like an art piece going back to college? One on one. How do we make it look intimate without being super intimate? You know, mm. and and uh, it, that's the challenge as the actors too. like for me, I was always like I love like getting into the person's face and getting close. And the, the character that I'm playing now, there's a lot of times where I'm like, almost have to breathe on her and like how do i do that without doing that like <laughs> yeah. make it look like i'm close and breathing on her and like almost getting my spit on her without actually doing that but that's why we all get tested so that but you also have to remain distant after you get tested so that's the hard thing you have to stay home you have to quarantine yeah. yourself i think being an actor being a performer right now is probably one of the hardest jobs because you do have to obey the rules. You have to 100%. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to end up getting in somebody sick or hurt at the end of the day. And it sucks. 
Like, I don't want to be that person, you know, yeah. like, like somebody's sick. I'm going to go home and just like, I got, I got like my co-star is Devony Pin. And I'm going to be like, uh-huh. I got Devony Pin sick. <laughs> you know, it's like so emotional. You never know. It sucks. But yeah, we're not being able to work. Like if you yeah. test positive, you know I mean, oh. like, oh my God, like that's just, I mean, we we had um, on our first day we had one of the crew members test positive, and so we mm. lost that entire day because every we just everybody went home and they had to retest everyone again. And so, like, could you imagine as a cast member if you tested positive, like, you can't yeah. be replaced? They'd have to like rewrite the entire script. Yeah. So like, what what do you do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like, you have such a responsibility as an actor to be safe and like not go out because you could bring down the entire production yeah yeah and like with this project like we already shot some of it so for me at least for my part you know so it's like for i'm more like <laughs> i have to be safe because it's like if you get sick before the next time we start shooting we have to put push everything back and then everyone loses money and so now i'm like okay what do i do i'm wearing gloves i go outside i wear gloves every day i change out my gloves every day i wear a mask i wear glasses like there's certain things you just it i'm like okay i, I have to make sure i don't get sick in a month i have three more weeks i can't get sick <laughs> <laughs> well that's good that's great that yeah it's, it's also you 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 all want to be have your your crew members safe because yeah that's and it's it's when it comes to like the rest of the country that isn't wearing masks. I think it's a, a gigantic lack of empathy for people, and and so that's what all three of you guys have is you know it's nice to see. Um, it's just strange why people are not wanting to wear masks. It's like, and they're just listening to people that that are just morons um, yeah. tell them these things, and they believe it all, and so many conspiracy theories and. I mean, I get not wanting to do it. Oh, no one yeah. wants to do it. No. It's not like we're not like, yay, let's go put on our masks today. <laughs> you know, especially yeah. when I'm working out. Like, there, I like sometimes I'm working out and I'm just like, because <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> I have like bad. I can't really breathe in my nose sometimes because I have really bad allergies in the summer, and I'm uh. like. I'm like, oh, I really want to take off my mask right now because I think I could breathe more. And that's the other thing that people are saying. But at the same time, it's it's just the heat that makes you feel like you can't breathe, right? It's yeah. the heat. And yeah, like it's just it's unbearable. We all hate it, but we do it. <laughs> yeah, it ir- irritates my nose, and then I start getting itchy on the inside, and then I and then snot st- wants to come down because <laughs> there's something pressing on my nose all the time. I was like, oh, but see, at least the mask will catch all that snot. So it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just let it flow. Yeah, yeah. No, I just wipe it on other people, you know. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get into this uh, this final girls conversation. So all three of you guys have been final girls in movies. Uh, I think I've I may have no, yeah. Trista uh, Trista was the Trista got killed in uh, the Summoners. I know that she she didn't make it in that one, but. Uh, oh. and, yeah, well, I th- but I haven't I haven't made a movie with Sarah yet, so we gotta we have to change that soon, of course. Apparently, I'm the only one on this list. I'm <laughs> I know. What the hell, Chris? <laughs> Come on. Well, I but, you know, to be in a movie with Christian where he directs it. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, at least Krista's <laughs> had that honor. And, but I have I have art. Yeah, she's like, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did work with Sarah before we even knew each other. 
Well, I art directed a show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a silly yeah. show back in the mid 2000s. It, it can go unnamed unless you want to name it. <laughs> um, I actually heard that it's now on Amazon Prime and Hulu. <laughs> yes, I did. I watched. Uh, I started watching some old episodes, going, "Oh, look at it!" Because I was I built all the sets and the graphics and all that with uh, my friends. But um, yeah, that 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 show is super cheesy. It's all what's crazy. the name of it? Uh, Sarah, you can name it or not. Okay, it's called. <laughs> uh, you want to. It's called Sex Sent Me to the ER. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'm watching that. You're watching that? So, yeah. I've, I've, crazy, like, stories on that. Yeah. Story. I, I art directed three seasons, about 45 episodes oh, over wow. the span of two years. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a wild, cheesy show. They wanted they, it. Like, they purposely make it really cheesy. Yeah. Like the direction is always like bigger, bigger, more, more. Huh? Like it's like <laughs> there's no subtlety, <laughs> no subtlety at all in that. Yeah. When you're going for very, very broad. <laughs> yeah, I had to... I'm always into it because like I, me and Brendan watch it and we're just like, <gasps> is that gonna happen to us? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I had drunk one night. Am I gonna break your penis in half? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Stranger things have happened. It, it is very possible. I I, I had had uh, I I made all of the X-rays for that show as well. So whenever someone had something shoved up the, any of their uh, in their private parts, I had to make an X-ray and go. Oh, okay. Here's a handcuff key in a pelvic you know pelvic region. Uh, and so then I would show it to the doctor. We would always have a doctor on set that we would be interviewed. I'm like, hey, doc, let me see. Does this look good? And he's like, yeah, that looks good. You know, or, so <laughs> you all, all the many different <laughs> things I had to shove up people's uh, orifices. <laughs> people like it. People like it. It's a thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Laura Jean, let's talk about being a final girl. I, I want to catch as much as I can with you because you, you're only going to be with us another maybe 10, 15 minutes. So uh, what have your experiences been as a final girl and how does it differ from other characters in this world? Well, I, I had, I, I, I've had the privilege of obviously being, being both. I've, I've died and I've lived. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, one thing I do love and what a lot of people that uh, follow horror love about the final girl is especially for women um, with that watch it and um, and for me growing up watching it is this idea that she can persevere and make it through all the shitty things that just got through like with the, she went through the past hour and a half and here you know here she is like she's got it she's gotten it unless you watch something like 47 meters down and you you think you got there and then all of a sudden a shark attacks you the last five minutes of the movie um but uh you know it i i I guess are you get are you trying what's your question is here's the specifics do you want to know what it's like to be a final girl in the sense of overall or what it was like to just kind of be shooting as a final girl filming and be being that character as a final well girl. uh well let's yeah i mean let's kind of go over what you think uh a good final girl is and uh and, and what is what is a problematic final girl <laughs> um <laughs> yeah okay I, I, I guess i started it's a, it's a wide question but yeah um a good final girl in, in the sense it for me could be 
anything from she can be psychotic, a crazy person and a killer, or she can be um, the smarty pants, goody two shoes that saves the day, or she can be the just the regular girl. And I think that's what's so cool about the final girl, right? The idea of that is there's this whole um, she doesn't have to be perfect. The final girl isn't perfect. Sometimes the perfect girl isn't the final girl. Um, and the final girl is the one that's troubled and, and is the one that's going through a lot of problems in her life already and has things going on in her life. And I think in that sense, that's where I always related to the final girl. And a lot of women to this day, I would say almost 100% of women always relate to the final girl mm-hmm. because they... Um, there's just constant these constant ideas of um, life and what they go through and what they have gone through and the things they think about um, uh, whether it's um, a boyfriend trouble a, a parents passing away a grandparents going through something somebody being sick um, and or somebody stalking them I had a stalker once in college that wasn't fun <laughs> um, you know and or sorry, some- I'm sorry about that I didn't. T- <laughs> If he's listening, I think he's a director now, too. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just, it, it, and then somebody makes you psychotic. So something happens to you and makes you psychotic. So that's the other realm of it. That's the other realm of the final girl. Is something pushes you to the limit to break down so much that you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to go on a spree. And, um, to me, those are the best, like those are the best characters is the ones that just have no qualms. They don't care about being judged. Mm -hmm. They just go for it. They know what they want, um, by, you know, the middle of them, that movie or the middle of the book or the story you, that you see this, um, gradual growth within them that make them stronger and make them just go, fuck it. Let's go. Like, I don't care what happens to me at this point. I'm just going to do it. Um, so yeah, for me being the final girl and going through those processes, processes and, um, a film coming out, um, in a month, Serena waits, I have go through the same process where I, I, I feel like I need to be perfect. And these things happen to me and, um, that make me just go like, fuck it. And, um, it's such a, as being an actor in a final girl role, it is, uh, almost like, you know, going to the psychologist in a way. It's nice to just release and let everything out. And then you can go home and be like, ah, that was refreshing. Like I I got to hit a sandbag with um, a baseball bat for 30 minutes. That was fun. (laughs) Um, And then you go home, you're like, ah, yeah, that was really cool. Like, I don't need, I don't feel angry today. <laughs> you know, like, like you don't need to beat your wife tonight. I got, I got it out earlier at work. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it, it's just like anybody that goes to the gym, like um, any female out there, like that goes kickboxing classes, goes to the gym and like punches that bag. It is so exhilarating to just let it go and let it go in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I think that's why I turned to acting, I turned to performing, and I turned to um, contemporary dance and things like that, is because it allowed me to let go of my emotions and to speak my emotions in a healthier in a healthier way. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel watching the movies, going back to horror and The Final Girl, when I, when I was a kid and I'd feel sad and I feel like somebody was picking on me at school or I got in an argument with my mom and dad or my sister, I would always watch a movie that involved a final girl of some sort. And <laughs> obviously my, my favorite movie is Misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in some sense, she was great. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know... Um, but in the sense of like the cheesy, like scream and I know what you did last summer, like those are my favorite campy movies growing up and, and seeing, uh, you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt, like make it to the end. I'm like, um, if she's having a good day going through all that shit, I'm going to go through a good day just having a simple argue with my mom. And it calmed me down and it made me understand like there's certain things in life that aren't necessary. I shouldn't get angry over that. There's a lot more things I can get angry over. And that's what's great about horror. It just is like a release. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's good. That's great. Uh, as, as Sarah, how about you? Like, how has it been for you like, to play Final Girls? And and uh, give me an example of one of your movies that uh, that your favorite Final Girl movie that you've been. Oh boy, there's. A, I feel like I play the Final Girl a lot. Like in most of them, <laughs> in oh. most of them, I'm the Final Girl. Um, so, so none of that, the one you said right off the bat, I'm the final mm-hmm. girl. I'm a, a vigilante nun <laughs> uh, who, yeah. uh, fights for justice against the mob. So we did it first before Warrior Nun, which is now on Netflix. <laughs> oh. oh, which I love, by the way. Great <laughs> um, I also did a film called, uh, Chupacabra Territory, which is, I guess is very much more the like classic final girl. Um, that was a found footage one and, you know, four friends go off into the woods and they end up being stalked by a chupacabra and all the rest of them die. And, um, I was, you know, the only one that made it out and the only one that left standing. Um, so there's been spoiler alert. (laughs) <laughs> Spoiler! Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That's been out for a couple of years though, so if you, have, if you haven't gotten around to it yet, <laughs> then no biggie. Uh-huh. Um, but there, there's, yeah. I feel like that kind of happens a lot with a, a lot of the the roles that I play in horror films. I mean, there's, it's either that or like the villain, mm-hmm. um, which, in some ways, I feel like appro- approaching. The characters in these films I feel like I kind of approach them all like they're all the final girl because every every woman is like going to persevere going to do whatever she can do to get through this situation and doesn't want to give up and so regardless of if you're successful of that or not that is really the only difference that makes you a final girl or not so like even if you don't make it all the way through the character doesn't know that that's going to happen and so like you're going to approach it and do things the same way you would do even if you're not don't end up becoming the hero depending on the outcome of the film yeah. And I also feel like that makes it, you know, more interesting for the the audience, too. So that you're like, if you have a whole bunch of like strong women that are like kicking ass throughout the film and you care about them, you want them to succeed. And then as the film goes on, then they get whittled down into, you know, whoever's going to be the last one yeah. that the script says is the winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh- I'm gonna. I, w- I want to go over to Trista, but I also want to make sure that uh, Laura Jean, she, she, you have to leave in a little bit, right? So yeah, let me, five minutes. 
Okay, so let me let me throw one question at you, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll go, continue on with everyone else as you uh, as you uh, make your way to your next podcast. Thank um, you, Trista. <laughs> thank you for uh, carving out time to join us. It's great meeting you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. So, uh, so Laura Jean, when it comes to uh, a, 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 a Let's talk about the female and male dynamic in horror films. The males are often always villains, and the females are often always the victims. What is it about that dynamic that uh, that is it uh, from from men are usually in the past have been the ones to be the screenwriters or the directors? Uh, is it a, a kind of a, a a primal thing where it's strength? Like you know, male humans are usually have a lot more testosterone and strength than females, or or, or a lot more brooding, or a lot more evil. But what do you think <laughs> is uh, the is the reason for that? Uh, yeah. What well the first thing when you said that I'm like well I you know you know me Christian I'm always yeah. out to be the freaking crazy psychomaniac that's <laughs> brutal and and the villain you know and yep. so a lot of a lot of that's why I like to play a lot of different characters so when you see my movies it's I'm I'm either or, or all of the above mm-hmm. um, I think it also just goes to past and um, and it all is history. And back in, you know, when we first, when film was kind of first starting to get famous and things like that in, in silent films, you know, you have to look at the era and you have to look at the time. And women were considered to be these delicate creatures back then. And so when you had these silent films starting and these, you know, you have the, the King Kong and things like that, the woman was like, oh, no, no, you know. <laughs> she like faints and then the guy comes up behind her and like picks her up and I think it's because that's how society also like not only it women never really wanted to be that way and I think at any time they're always tri- striving to be higher than that but society was telling them this is how you need to be and I think film was taking that in and um, because at that time there wasn't a lot of freedom to um, and people were scared to be even more open with that. So I think you have a lot of these films where these women are, you know, the weakest link, the weak, the weak, you know, emotional character because of society. And yeah. what's great is you see when when you start to watch all these films, and not only horror, all films, um, women start having more of a say and um, more of a leading role and more of a the crazy psychotic character that you wish she'd be and or she's the smart one or she's the leader and she's taking over and it's it's brilliant how you see this and obviously we want it to happen more so because it's not happening happening enough but when I do see shows and movies um, where they have these uh, amazing female leading roles and I've been watching The Politician on uh, Netflix and that's one of them. And there's a lot of uh, okay. leading women on that show that are phenomenal. Um, Bette Midler being one of them, obviously. Ah. Um, but uh, it, it, it's very it, – I think – it's exactly that. And I think society society um, nowadays, there's still a lot of men out there that that see women as the weakest link. And it's not going to change. It's just the way they grow up. It's the way they've lived. It's um, their background, how they're taught. Um, and I think it's up to the people that believe that want to show the opposite and show that the opposite can happen and that the woman 
there are, you know, if you really look at history and if you're thinking also like, oh, a woman can't be a molester. If you're really thinking about doing a movie on molestation or a movie on killing, there's a lot of women out there that do it too. And this yeah. is for anything in society and anything in type of jobs. Wherever there's a man there, there's a woman there too doing it. We just don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I think it's definitely up to the people like us that are um, interested in showing that to try to get it out there more um, I, I, because I think more people are interested in hearing about that. How I never, I have yet to see a movie um, where a woman is the, like a, a huge, you know, just the huge um, I, going back to the molestation thing. It, it's always a guy, you know, molesting a girl, things like that, or, you know, that's killing a girl or, you know, and um, it would be interesting to start reading up on history and reading up on where the women lies in these type of stories and wh- why was the woman, get, what got her there, what got her to that point. Um, and you'll be amazed how how much men and women are very similar in all yeah. aspects of life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's just... I. I, when people tell, well, that's why when I see movies and it's like a typical movie where it's like, oh, the guy, like Texas Chainsaw, you know, like the guy is up there, you know, like, ugh. and in my mind, I'm like, I want to hold a chainsaw right now. <laughs> and like, people, like, why can't it be me? Like, is it because I'm tiny? Is it because I'm five feet tall? You know what? Sometimes that's even creepier. I'm just going to say, you know, and like, yeah, you I, don't see you coming. Yeah, you don't see me coming. I'm like a little leprechaun running around, like, yeah. But it's just, it's that, and I think it also going to the directors, like, and the writers, going back again, like, there's less women directors, there's less women writers in in this form of art, in horror, and things like that. And I think the more, a lot of the, um, women directed horror films and things that I've been reading up on and things like that. They do that. They bring that forward. They bring more of that, those feminine characters that we rarely see. And I think that's just kind of where it starts. I think, um, we need to have more of, um, men be more, uh, open-minded to the fact that there's a lot of women in history and not in history and whatever you want to write fantasy, uh, that women can take over as much as a, that type of male role could. Yeah. Um, and that, and that goes just with also with the LGBT community and things like that too. Like uh, there's a lot of women out there that would believe that we don't even need a man on the screen. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Christian. Christian's like, damn hey, it. No, <laughs> I prefer I'm that. Beyond here. Damn it. I- I, I'm just, I'll be just fine with that because I prefer to <laughs> watch women on screen <laughs> more than men. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, but I could talk forever about that. I have like this whole thing. People are just going to be uh, like, not want to listen to me. And we're like, okay, shut up, Laura. <laughs> well, we and, needed to make sure we packed you in before you uh, move on to your next uh, your, your next podcast. Uh, do you need to go now? Um, no, I have a few minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I let them so, know that because they I officially need me like around 6, 6, 10. So I was like, oh, okay. a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm all set up already. So I'm good. Oh, good, good. So when, when it, what always uh, struck me about horror films and when I started analyzing them, uh, especially in college, was that uh, when it, it, comedies, it, you know, I went to college in the 90s. So comedies, action movies, uh, mostly comedies and action movies, those were directly always. Uh, men heroes 
uh, saving females. Uh, there was it was rare to have a female villain, but the the final person was always the man saving the woman. But horror films, and I wrote an essay about this in college, which I wish I I probably have somewhere. Like it, you know, it's just how great horror films are because they show the female uh, being the strongest one in the entire movie, and say and you can you can kind of see you could see okay you could say okay there's a that we have a villain. And the villain is man. The villain's stronger than the female, so that's why he's the villain. And so, the, but the female's gonna overcome him. But uh, it's not as much that. I mean, she's you, those, those characters are her characters are usually a, a lot stronger and smarter, and and just you know just and they always win in the end. So that's what made horror uh, amazing for me because I really enjoyed watching that. So that that's what I always connected with. And what, what do you think about that, uh, Laura Jean? Well, how do you feel if like, and, and this goes with males, like how, how does it feel to, for males to always be considered the villain? You know what I mean? Like to watch a movie and like, be like, oh, why is a guy always the freaking, you know, whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's kind of frustrating. So I feel like it does need to be more well-rounded for sure. And, um, I, and I've known I, a lot of female villains. I'll tell you that much in my life. Yeah. And I do, <laughs> I do, I do agree with you on on the fact that it's so great that they're open and that they're saying, oh, the woman is smarter and can persevere and being smarter than the man. Because in reality, sure, why not? Are we? <laughs> We're smarter. Girls, how do you feel? Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 than the man. I'll take that. I'll take that. What, what girls lack in physical strength, they make up for in cunning and brains. Yeah, there yeah. perfect. And it's a, it's unfortunate that like the history of, of the fe- of the history of the female was usually they were left out of the education. You know, the men always said no, females are not allowed to go to college. You're not allowed to go to school. You just sit there and be dumb and make babies and make and us look food. pretty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and the times are changing, and that's great. That over the past hundred or so years, or especially the past sixty, seventy years. Um, so hopefully, we can continue that, and men are, should not be afraid of that. Yeah, uh, it's just that toxic, you know, the toxic male shit that that uh, that's it's still it's always going to be there, but it just needs to be chipped away at a few yeah. more, few hundred more years, and you know. Yeah, well, I, I think, agree, and like the new thing now, I think is having both man and female either win at the end or be a part of what's going on and, and or be that horrific couple. And I find that really cool as well. Cause it's like, okay, we, we're trying not to just do male and female, whatever that may be. Yeah. We're trying to show that it's both and it can be both. And so I think that right now, I think that's where we're at. And it, it's all these like partnerships too, like these group partnerships. Like you have like almost like gangs in a way, like you have the good gang and the bad gang. And uh, it's quite fascinating. And I think Marvel also started that. And so it's kind of led its way, the comic book scene led its way into the horror scene, which is really cool. So we're seeing that kind of really, uh, that dynamic crossover in these groups, which is really quite nice. So so Trista, now let's uh, let's focus on Trista. Here. Oh, <laughs> sure we bring you, bring you, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Bye, Trista. Yeah, and Sarah, and like thank you so much. And Trista, thank you. I'm I'm sorry. I will listen to everything you say after <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> thank you. It was great meeting you. Was so Bye, great. Laura. 
Bye, you guys. Yeah, bye. Thank you. Uh, Trista, tell us about your experiences being a being a final girl. Uh, how is how, oh, that's a nice string. <laughs> I, I know. Just, sorry. I was distracting. Cat <laughs> How how empowering is it for you as a human to to play a final girl and be? Oh, let me turn off my fan too. Hold on. <laughs> Thing I forgot to do. <clears throat> yeah. So t- yeah, tell us how inspiring has it been for you, Trista, to to play an empowering female character and and, and does it strengthen you? Yeah, in your real life. Um. Well, when I think of playing a final girl, I think of um, a film that I shot recently that I can't, I, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but um, uh, so I'll, I'll also talk about Echoes of Fear, which is my other big experience. These two films, I think, really, um, I feel very final girly in. And okay. Um, so Echoes of Fear, um, the, the way I approach a character, it's funny, Yes, she is the final girl, but I don't ever, the same way I never approach a character as like, oh, this is the villain, right? It's just like, um, it's just not that broad for me. Like, but, but in essence, like, yes, she is in peril. She survives. Um, and for me, I, I think being a final girl is interesting because a lot of times people I don't think necessarily would assume that I'm a final girl. Um, I, I'm, I have sort of a delicate demeanor. I think I have a specific voice and, and my stature and I, I, I'm not like a hugely aggressive person. And, and I think, I, I, I just think I'm more covert, right? And, and how you were speaking about men always being the villains i think in life men are just often more overt people Mm -hmm. um so for instance in echoes of fear a lot of people describe my arc as sort of this timid woman who like finds her strength and even the filmmakers define it that way um but for me personally the decisions i made didn't really have to do with that that wasn't really my arc because she was always strong she was just underestimated and that is something i definitely can relate to in my real life where people just project things onto me because of the way i look or because of my manners or my mannerisms and um i think there's all kinds of strength you know and i think it's easy to judge people and underestimate people and i think people can use that to their advantage Okay, so yeah, so you capitalize on the fact that you have a, a smaller de- demeanor, at least, uh, and and a smaller stature, uh, and that and that could you could sting. Well, I don't know that sting I capitalize on it, but but it's not something that's I'm escaping anytime soon. Like, so it's not necessarily like oh, I'm going to use this to my advantage. Because to be frank, most of the times when I meet people after a screening of my film very often people are like oh my god you're small like people don't think i'm small on film so it's not like i'm playing cute or coy and manipulating that way but it's more of like the same way humans are very uh complicated and complex i think final girls are you know and i love the vast array of final girls 
Yeah. You know, I spoke to Mark Patton recently, and, like, yeah. he was the first. You know, like, that's amazing to me. And, um, like, Laura was saying, like, there are troubled women that are final girls. Uh, I think of Black Christmas, like, she was having an abortion. You oh, know, yeah. like, that is... That that movie was really ahead of its time. And, you know, a lot of times in trials, in real life, they want a perfect victim. And that's a great example of, like, we're just people, right? If, if you're acting, if you're doing it appropriately, you're just, you're playing a, a person. And, and that person is flawed and, and trying to overcome things like we all are, I think. So, and so when it comes to... Uh, uh, Heroes and villains, it doesn't matter for you. You're you're just finding the motiv- motivation of that character, and whatever they do is just a a manifestation of what that is, that motivation is. Or how do yes, you? Yes, one hundred percent for me. Because trust me, in real life, I know a lot of assholes, and and they don't normally think they're assholes, right? They they feel very convicted. Um, yeah. And if I'm going to play a character, I'm not going to judge the character. I've got to find. I, I've got to justify it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, as Sarah, let's let's discuss uh, the the men versus women in horror films, uh, and, and kind of the the classic version of you know what we discussed with uh, Laura Jean of of men being the villain and females being the uh, the heroes in horror films at the very least, um, or their females are mostly the victims. Um, <clears throat> where do you think that comes from? Well, I think, um, I mean, in addition to what Laura had said previously, one of the things that I was thinking of is I think it's really difficult for society to see men as victims, to see, for men to be vulnerable, number one, that's just a, I mean, especially in America, because America is very like, macho you know like Mm -hmm. guys are guys well and not just but italian also and greek and like there's a lot of cultures where like men are men and you're not supposed to cry you're not supposed to be in touch with your emotions even though you have them it's always the like you know tough it out you know like pull through and that's just that's kind of bred into men in just as they're growing up in our society so that end up ends up getting reflected into film we don't mm-hmm. see a lot of men that have, you know, very long, eloquent speeches about what they're feeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see that for women a lot, but you very rarely see that for men. And I think um, seeing a man in a position of weakness is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, you don't, we're, we're much more okay with seeing a woman being weak or a woman crying. But if you see a man doing those things, you have a different emotional reaction to that just based on how we've been conditioned by our society. Yeah. And I think you can even look at, I mean, Take, for example, the Me Too movement, like that has all been focused on women and women that have been abused. There are men that have been abused, too. And that's something that's never, never been talked about, still Mm -hmm. not being talked about. Um, And that's like so that's in our society focuses on women are even though this has been like a great movement to get the men that are doing the abusing out of power there's been very little talk about women that have been abusers to male or female victims either way. It's always been, you know, men are the victims or men are the abusers and they're abusing women. And there's that different power dynamic. So we're seeing that in our society. And then that's also being reflected 
in our films. And I also just feel like in society in general, men tend to have more power than women. That's just, I mean, going way back to women, you know, trying to get equal rights and the right to vote and like all all of that struggle that's been there. Men just inherently are in more positions of power than women are. So we're used to seeing them as these overlord, stronger figures than women. Um, And so it's just, it's, it's film reflecting what we're seeing around us and what we've grown up with. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, it, it's kind of sad because if you, if you have a, a male character in a film that's really being victimized and like really br- like breaking down and crying and terrified, I feel like most people are just going to laugh at that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like if you had just a guy there, that's just like, you know, blubbering, people aren't going to take it seriously. You could, okay, even perfect example, not even um, to that extent, but um, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, after he does the that scene when he's in the Western with the little yeah. girl, and he's like so proud of himself for like doing this great job acting, and he kind of starts crying. When I saw that in the theater, people started laughing mm. when they saw that. And I was like, what why are people laughing about this i mean he's showing his emotion as a man for being proud of something that he's accomplished Mm -hmm. like that to me that's not something that you should laugh at but that's how we've been conditioned yeah i mean i think that scene probably gets laughed at because it tarantino has that like very skewed tight very fine-tuned humor in it and, and and so i guess I don't know if it was something that you brought in of knowing Leonardo DiCaprio over years. I mean, he's played sensitive characters, but there's a, it, it, that character has this ego, and so maybe yes. people were laughing at the e- the ego the boost ego. that he he got. But the, you're you're laughing, and you're also going, yeah, that's cool. But it's still there's a chuckle in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think that's where I what I saw in that scene. Then there's the Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. Like you just brought up, Mark Patton's character, who gets very emotional. Uh, Trista, you brought it up, um, and so that's what, and maybe that's why that movie scene as a little bit not, it maybe not the best Nightmare on Elm Street, um, because of his his character is a lot weaker, and and it, you know all of it's not. I mean, obviously, it, overall, it's not a great movie. I don't think, uh, no matter what the how you politicize it, but. Um, I can see that, and then, then there's the Unforgiven, which I guess I'm guilty of. I, I don't. I never liked that movie, and maybe it's because I was always used to these macho, uh, macho westerns. You know, the Good, the Bad, the mm. Ugly, and and Fistful of Dollars, a few dollars more, where it was, you know, Clint Eastwood, and everybody was like, "Yeah, fucking, I'll kill you. I don't give a shit." Uh, but then you watch that one, and it's it's a lot more of a, an emotional. Like I, they're conflicted, and they don't want to kill anybody, and they just want to be good guys. And um, so I think that's what turned me off about that. So I'm, I guess I'm guilty of of having that. Like, oh, I want my my cowboys to be tough. You know. <laughs> So. You want your cowboys to be men. Yeah, I want them to be men. <laughs> and that even goes that goes straight into it, because what is like being a man? You know, like we have yeah. this perception of even what that means. Being a man means being macho, being tough. Being tough. Like that's, you know, Shoot, that's shooting part guns. Of it. Exactly. Shooting exactly. guns and kicking your dog. 
<laughs> and Tris is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and so Tristan, yeah, can you elaborate on that at all about the the male and female, the, the, the like Freddy Krueger, and there's a Nancy Thompson, and you know, tell us about what you think. Why has that always been like that? Well, um, first of all, I'd like to say that I I've, I recently this is not answering your question, um, but I, I recently did a western, and um, oh. I. It took place in the 1800s, and I, what excited me about this role was that uh, uh, my character is someone who was a prostitute to get by, but then got out of it, and then she's a real badass. She's a real cowboy. I'm not, like, riding on the back of, like, a guy. I'm not a damsel in distress. Like, I learned how to ride the horses. I learned how to shoot the guns. Like, I hold my own in a film. Oh, uh, cool. And and I'm not sure I would have been interested in the role if it if if I were sort of just like the damsel in distress, you know. Yeah. Um, but your question was not that. Your question was how do I feel about the males being the uh, aggressors and the females being the victims? And I think um, I think yeah, it's hard for me to obviously I can't speak for everyone I think um like I was saying earlier I, I there's all types of people regardless of gender but I do think in general women are more subtle um men are more overt um mm-hmm. and so I think that translates to to film it's hard for me to like i'm definitely not the type of woman that is plays a victim in real life or is interested in playing a victim on film and what's a victim like uh very like i think a lot of victims prefer to be called survivors right Mm -hmm. um like final girls so like Obviously, there's something to be said for going through trials and tribulations and uh, and getting through it. We can all relate to that. I think there's something to be said for, like, you want empathy. Uh, and maybe Sarah's right. Maybe it's harder for men to derive empathy. Maybe it's easier to have empathy for females that are struggling in those ways. But but these days, gender is so subjective. You know, I think film and art will reflect this sort of gender revolution, you know, and I hope so. Everyone deserves to be represented in different ways. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's what I think. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Sarah, when it comes to like a, a female villain, or even a, a femme fatale, what what usually comes down to is a woman, or, or even a, a revenge film, a woman will use sex as a weapon. And it's almost always that way. And I, for, I forgot what the, the term is for uh, for this, this, seeing women discussing, uh, two women in a conversation where they only discuss men. What is it called? I forget what it's called. But I forget what it's called. Too. Yeah, it's there's like, some sort like of theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a you've 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 accomplished this if you have two women that are talking about something that doesn't have to do with a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and exactly, I forget yeah. what the name of that yeah, is. But yeah, yeah. You've, 
you finally achieved greatness if you exactly. because it's all, all, most of the time it's a in the past the, the um, pro, uh, films were written by men and it was always two women talking about men um but so when it comes to sex it, it, why is it that women all in in char- women characters in films always have sex as a weapon is it just because the men are writing these scripts that we've you know known to love in these movies um i think that is part of it because i feel like in scripts that you read that are written by women or directed by women there's tends to be less sex or less overt sexuality because women can still be sexy without being like aggressively sexual like those are that's different things um but i i feel like so i think that that is one part of it but i also think it's um you know as we were talking earlier men naturally just due to the physiology of their build are stronger so when women are going to manipulate or dominate men they have to use something else except for their strength in, in order to get that um and do that and so part of that is the mind and being smarter or more clever and using all the tools that you have in your toolbox. And sexuality is one of those tools. And men and, are weak. Men are weak. And men <laughs> to, okay. So that makes sense. So okay. I think, I think it's a, a little bit of both. And like, um, cause, and I do th- feel like it's, again, that's something that is reflected in life a bit as well. I'm mean, not to say that women are not, um, aggressively sexual in life because they absolutely are but at at the same time um there is this perception in society that men are supposed to chase women and men are supposed to pursue women and they're like this you know sexy object that you're conquering and that's like a quest to get them and so that's something that women can use to get power over men because it's something that men want okay it's yeah you know, something it's, it's at least it's a perception that we have in our society. And obviously that varies to different degrees with different men because, you know, some men are all about that. You know, they're with different different women every night. They're on the prowl. And any woman that is like sexually aggressive to that man is going to get that man. And that's not going to work for every single man. So. But yeah, yeah. That, and I guess this all comes from. Uh, well, it doesn't all come from the But Christina Klebe and I have, have discussed this a few times where. She was like, I, I wish I could play a villain that didn't use sex as a weapon. Like, so, like, you look at Species or uh, you look at uh, I Spit on Your Grave, where, you know, the original where she uses sex is to lure men in and to kill them. Um, it, well, it's Mercy, rare. Mercy is a good example of that. We were just talking about with uh, Mercy. Yeah, Laura's Laura's favorite horror movie. She oh, oh sex. No, mis- misery, you mean? Misery, mis- sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mercy, yeah, <laughs> mercy. Hey. <laughs> I don't mercy, know. mercy. No, misery. Yeah, she she doesn't really. I don't think she uses sex, but um, and she's definitely the villain. Yeah, that, you know, That's so she's true. not. Yeah. There, there's one example. We found one. Yeah, I think so. Like, but she, she is. She's in. She's kind of in love with him, or she wants. She's forcing him to write. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time either. Yeah, she. she, she I think was she was fortunate enough to find him unconscious and tie him up. That's yeah. The thing. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she didn't have to lure him. He's kind of at her mercy. She just happened. Yeah. Her, he, he got they could have called it mercy, really. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Chista, what do you think of this? Uh, you know, I, I think Sarah brought brought up a good, uh, that's a good point. I think it because... sells tickets. I think sex sells. Um, okay. So I think uh, people want to watch it, you know? So I get why it's in there. But but I, I also understand wanting to play a character who doesn't have to use sex as a as a weapon i think it's um it can be cheap you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I, you've have you guys had to do that where you've pl- played characters that use sex as a weapon for sure i have and i loved it actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's not something i do all the time and i I took a lot of time before I committed to doing the project, and I actually just loved the character. Um, it's not something I, I do in my real life at all, but um, <laughs> I love that you're laughing as if, like, <laughs> no woman uses sex as a weapon. But, um, yeah, I, it's not, I don't use sex to my advantage in real life. That's not something I would do. But um, but in this film, I play a... Um, serial killer and and so I, I really fell in love with the character and that was just one part of her right it which, wasn't which i wasn't showing up in purgatory road okay okay yeah i still need so to see the it the movie wasn't about my body or me showing up for the day naked like it's 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 just one part of a bigger story and that okay. is why it made sense for me personally to do it okay yeah and um how, how do you guys think uh, if, if the final girl should go going forward like is there a development of that kind of uh, that archetype can it be uh maybe it's a okay gender neutral final <laughs> what is what will be the next thing final person. A, a, a yeah, final gender person. they a, gen, a gender they <laughs> yeah what do you what do you think that's hard to kind of determine because I feel like there have been so many different iterations of the final girl um it's it's that's really hard to like where is it going to go because what hasn't been done yet because I kind of feel like almost everything has been done yet um I the the film that I thought did a really good job about adding like nuances to the final girl was um is it called no, uh, Your Next, where they had the masks? Yeah. And, yeah, so I thought, like, that that one was awesome because they took – she was the final girl, but she wasn't a victim. She was an aggressor, and, like, she was the mm-hmm. badass that was going to lay the traps for everyone. So, like, I I loved, like, that take on the final girl, and I thought that that was somewhat was refreshing because a lot of the time the final girl is not – necessarily in control of her own destiny she's very reactionary and just trying to survive and like get you know oh my god don't kill me oh my god don't kill me and somehow like stumbles to surviving um but i much prefer the proactive final girl that's like gonna you know take care of this shit (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know um but i think as far as the that trope in um films it's it's not something that's ever going to go away, but I don't I can't really think of any way that it would be like a new iteration of it because um, we've had wide varieties of different types of final girls. We've had final guys. We've had final couples. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's kind of it's kinda, we've kind of done everything there is to do <laughs> when it comes to final girls. Someone we might as well quit then, right? Yeah, I hope that's not the case. That's a great. That's the Otherwise, great. Otherwise, I'm out of a job. 
So have you seen Hush? I did. Yeah, I did see Hush. That was That's great. a great example, yeah. I think, of a really empowered final girl and one with a, you know, I hate to say disability because I don't think deaf people consider themselves to be disabled. But yeah. I'd like to see more of that, too. You know, yeah. Well. Yeah. And you, you, you played a deaf person in the human race. I did. Thank you. And Sarah. I just mentioned that so you would plug it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, you're taking classes uh, to uh, to learn sign language. Yeah, oh. I, I'm learning sign language like in 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 real life so I can speak correctly. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and Trista, you probably le- you did learn some. Do you remember all of your sign? I I learned enough to be uh, pretty fluent actually, but I I haven't retained much of it, which is really sad. I wish I did. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer, but you know when you're out of practice. Yeah. But I loved I loved the experience. I loved the deaf community. You're right. That's probably why I loved a part of why I loved Hush so much. It's a beautiful, beautiful language and very fascinating community. And and by and large, they don't consider themselves disabled. They they just communicate differently. You know. Yeah. 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 That that movie really. It's so simple and it stretches out. I, I mean, it, just from this one dude. Outside the house, one and location. He's not, and he's not yeah. even trying to get in, and it's one chick inside of a house, and she's just going, "How the fuck do I get rid of this guy or survive this night?" Because he keeps fucking with me. Um, and and the way that they did it, it just it doesn't drag. It doesn't, it, you know, it's just intense the entire time. Uh, and it has these little moments where you go, "Oh, okay, this is this." She continually goes, "Wait a second, I'm gonna be fucking empowered. Fuck this." Fuck this guy. And she finally gets that point. She goes all to all the way to the brink. And then she's like, wait a second. I, I, I now I'm remembering who I should be. So, but yeah, that was a great movie. Mike Flanagan, of course. Um, you know, the, the, the now great, uh, Mike Flanagan. Um, so uh, when it came to human, making the human race, which, which was almost like a, uh, uh, like a, uh, what's the movie? The, uh, shit uh battle battle like battle, oh, royale, battle royale hunger yeah. games yeah yeah um how did you how did you turn off that the 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 hearing like the the, the your brain not being able to hear um what a couple things a lot of things so unfortunately for the film we were having constant delays uh due to money right that's what holds up any independent film uh but it worked out really great for me because i kept having more and more time to work on the film so at first i just had like two coaches and i had my lines and i thought that's all i was gonna have time to learn but because the film kept getting postponed i was like oh great i could take online classes there's free classes online i can learn the language i found um deaf churches i started going to deaf church every sunday just to see how deaf people communicate and interact and then by sheer coincidence i was also doing a play at a time at, at, at the same time and um in the play was a deaf man, an amazing deaf man who in real life is also a drag queen. He like hears, he, he feels the music, the vibrations. Uh. And um, at the same time, his interpreter dropped out. So at the same time that I'm sort of learning all of this stuff, I just started helping this person because the director of the play was not going out of his way to communicate 
the direction. And um, it was a big ensemble piece, so he was sort of confused a lot of the time. And uh-huh. I happened to be studying, and he was very helpful in that. You know, he would correct me, he but appreciate that I was trying. So all of these things, but also I didn't listen to um, music. I really refrained from music uh-huh. for months and months while I was uh, prepping for the film. And then I was in an elevator or something, and some terrible cheesy pop song came on and i just started bawling and it it was very embarrassing because it was like something i would never listen to or have an emotional reaction but from being withdrawn from music for so long and not that i missed it because i adapted really but then i had this very visceral reaction it was out of joy It, it was out of um maybe joy maybe just just remembering music, just being overwhelmed. You know, to this day, if I go see a show and like an opera and people are singing, uh, I'll just start crying. It's almost like when you do yoga and you're in a pose and like it's like in your hips or something and stuff is maybe I'm just a basket case. (laughs) (laughs) But but just like someone singing for some reason, even though I don't even like musical theater, to be honest with you. But it's there's something very raw and from the tummy and guttural oh. and, and beautiful about it. And it affects Yeah. I get that. No, I get that. I, I get kind of teary eyed sometimes when it when it comes to those kind of things where somebody is expressing great joy or uh, just uh, 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 being amazing at something and and expressing that perfectly. Um so yeah, it's it's not you're not a basket case, Tristan. No, it fills it fills you up. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point of, of music and film and art in general is that it to to elicit an emotional reaction. So yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. When you're listening to something, you're like, oh my god, this is so beautiful, and you just start like crying because it's just like fills you up with so much mm-hmm. emotion. It's great. I wish it had been a better song. It was something really. <laughs> <terrifying>. <laughs> <laughs> What song? Do you remember what it was? No, I really wish, but it was like Kelly Clark's, like some sort of like weird pop music where I just started bawling and people in the elevator were like, <laughs> was it? Because of you, I learned to walk on the sidewalk. I don't know. I don't even remember, but something like really overtly poppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like blubbering over it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I. Uh, I think uh, it's time to wrap this up. I, I, I appreciate both of you guys coming on. Uh, Sarah, tell us what is coming out soon that we can look out for or anything that's streaming that we might want to watch you on. Um, so there's a, I have a bunch of stuff that's currently available on Amazon Prime. Um, I There's like, I think like 10 or 12 films that are on there right now. Ooh, wow. So... If you, if you want to see any of my stuff, I think the easiest thing to do is just to go to my website, sarahnicklin.com, because what I've basically done is created like a film catalog of where you can go and watch everything that's available. So you can sort it by like platform if you have Prime and you can see like all the films that are on Prime or Netflix uh, or like whatever, whatever you want to look at. I'll be um, doing that tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all. That's all there. Um yeah, so I I had I that film that I just worked on uh, last week, The Retaliators, was supposed to have a theatrical release this October, but who knows, you know, what's going to happen with that, with COVID and theaters yeah. being shut down and everything. Um, so yeah, I would say pretty much I'm going to direct people just to like 
social media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> SarahNicklin.com. That'll yeah, be the fun. latest, like, up-to-date stuff. Everyone <laughs> follow Sarah Nicklin and Trista Robinson. So, Trista, tell us where we can find all of your movies and whatever new projects you have coming out. Well, thank you. First of all, I'm hugely impressed by Sarah. I do not have a website or like a film catalog by platform. <laughs> That's amazing. What? <laughs> um, so, but I do like recent releases are uh, Purgatory Road, Echoes of Fear, Human Zoo. Those are all out there and available for people to watch. Please do. I would love that. I also do a weekly horror podcast. It's uh, live. Um, and it's video or audio, whatever you prefer. And that is on Thursdays and it's, uh, without your head. So please check that out. And then I post updates on my work on Facebook and Twitter, Trista Robinson. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, continue to stay safe. I will see you both soon. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Christian. You. Bye. Bye. Okay.